Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. This week on the podcast, we have me on another podcast once again. Uh, I think the discussion is really relevant to folks here and uh, is a really, really fun and interesting one. Uh, it's with Mike McHugh, who is the founder and CEO of Flipboard. Uh, and if you don't know Mike, he goes way back in Silicon Valley history, including he was an early employee at Netscape and was an early board member of Twitter. And he has now launched a brand new podcast called Dot Social, which is exploring decentralized social media. Over the last year or so, Flipboard itself has really embraced decentralized social media and moved further away from its reliance in the old days on centralized social media. If you don't know Flipboard, it's a, a very cool news aggregator that just makes for a really wonderful experience of finding and following news, but historically relied on uh, platforms like Twitter and recognizing how that world has changed has really embraced things like Mastodon and Blue Sky. So McHugh is interviewing a whole bunch of interesting and knowledgeable people who have been exploring decentralization and social media and was kind enough to have me uh, on the podcast as well as actually the very first guest uh, for that podcast. We actually recorded this a few months ago, uh, but the discussion on the state of decentralized social media is still obviously super relevant and interesting. Uh, and I will also note that McHugh has a bunch of really uh, great other guests lined up on the podcast. So I definitely recommend if you're interested in decentralization and the future of social media, that you should subscribe to Dot Social and uh, listen to the interviews. The ones I've heard so far are really, really great. But for today's podcast here on the Tech Dirt feed, we have me on the very first episode of Dot Social with Mike McHugh. The world is increasingly technological. In the 1990s, we saw an acceleration from walled gardens like AOL to the open web. As we all know, this marked an era of exciting innovation and meteoric growth. But over time, we witnessed the rise of a new set of walled gardens. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Is history about to repeat itself? Will the open social web become a mainstream alternative to the walled gardens we live in today? Will people own their online relationships, or will there always be a company that owns these? Welcome to Dot Social, the first podcast about the world of decentralized social media, also known as the Fediverse. Each episode, host Mike McHugh talks to a leader in this movement, someone who's seen the Fediverse's tremendous potential and understands that this could be the internet's next wave. This episode features Mike's conversation with journalist Mike Masnick. Mike founded the blog Tech Dirt in 1998 and in 2015, he wrote a seminal paper called Protocols, Not Platforms, in which he predicted the scenario unfolding before our eyes today. In fact, the New York Times called him, quote, something of a Silicon Valley oracle. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Mike Masnick, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am excited to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, I thought maybe a good way to start here is to talk about the paper you wrote in 2019, uh, Protocols, Not Platforms. Um, that was five years ago. Um, and, <laughs> oh, and, time flies. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I want to get into the paper a little bit, but, you know, I'm also curious, you know, how does it feel to be actually using some of these products that you theorized about five years ago, actually, as they as they start to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of fascinating. You know, the I have lots of thoughts. Yes, <laughs> is the is the short version of it. But, um, you know, it's been really interesting to see both the discussion that came out of that paper and sort of the way that people have been thinking about it and the various ways that, that people have 
um, you know, tried to make it a reality and then actually being able to, to play with it. Because one of the things that, that struck me as really interesting after the paper came out, and especially after it started getting a lot more attention, was how many people reached out to me and said, either like, we're building this, or even more common was, we've already built that, uh, which was rarely true. <laughs> yeah. And so I would see these products that, you know, had some elements of decentralization, but didn't really have the the full picture and certainly didn't have users, <laughs> right. you know, often any, any users. And, and that, so, you know, that was never enough. And, and, and part of the reason why I wrote the paper and even the way I framed the paper as it, as it is framed was to try to convince certain people of ways to build that, that would bring users in. So, uh, but you know, a lot of that was was trying to convince the platforms that already had users to kind of embrace that view that it would solve a, a series of issues that they were currently facing, and then you know they could bring the users was was kind of the plan. And as a you know, where I was sort of successful on that front was, you know, getting Twitter's attention and getting Twitter to, to fund and create and start Blue Sky. But the expectation had always been that Blue Sky would build the protocol and then Twitter would adopt it and bring with it however many hundreds of millions of users they had. That right. turned out to be a slightly different exactly. <laughs> path than actually happened. Um, but you know, I, I think it's I think it's kind of exciting. I think we're in this really exciting moment right now where we're seeing all sorts of experimentation happen. And and not all of it is exactly as I laid out in the paper. I wasn't, you know, going to to yeah. you know have a perfectly, you know, a perfect crystal ball of how this might play out. But we're seeing the experimentation and and sort of just the the creativity that I find really, really exciting. So I've been like you know, as, as you know, and as we've spoken about before, like, I'm really excited by everything that's happening with Mastodon and with Blue Sky and even with Noster, which, which has some oddities <laughs> to it right. as well. But, but, you know, we went through this fairly long period of time where it felt like, you know, th that kind of innovation was in the past that creativity and experimentation around social media in particular was done, was settled. You know, there were all these stories about, you know, there were, there were four big companies and that was all there was ever going to be. And unless we had, you know, antitrust come in and break them up, you know, this was the end of history as it came to social media. Uh, and, and we're seeing something very, very different happening right now. And I think it's really, really exciting uh, and, and, and very dynamic, which, which is fun to watch. Yeah, it certainly is. What was the first product that you saw that started to truly embrace some of the ideas you talked about in your paper? That's difficult to say. Um, I mean, you know, because like Mastodon, for example, predated the paper, right? Yeah. And there are definitely many elements of, of the Fediverse and Activity Pub that, you know, that helped inspire parts of the paper as well. Um, though I always thought there were some limitations to that model um, mm -hmm. and sort of the the federated setup of, of you know, of activity pub where effectively, you know, it, it, ha it has some advantages over the giant silos that, that you know, you know, that had created some, some problems and some difficulties, but it, um, it just sort of recreated those on a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. And, and there are, in some cases that's okay. You know, if, if your concern is just about the scale, um, and, and then when you go to a smaller federated model where, you know, if your particular silo is acting badly, you can, with some effort shift to somebody else's silo or, or create your own silo if you want, um, you know, that, that creates some, some really interesting incentives that I think are, are better. So, you know, I'd always sort of paid attention to that, but I, I felt like it didn't go far enough. 
mm-hmm. in terms of really sort of decentralizing, really pushing power to the ends, and really enabling more you know dynamic innovation and creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, so that's where I think both Blue Sky and Noster have been really, really interesting. You know, I think both of them have challenges and and different things that they'll have to overcome, but they're really taking on this concept much further and saying, you know, you know, and and both of them certainly spend a lot of time looking at activity pub and Mastodon. Um, And I know that, that Jay Graber at, at blue sky, you know, really spent a lot of time thinking about like, could we just build this off of activity pub? Um, and decided that there were some re- very real limitations. And in many ways, Blue Sky was an attempt to, to, you know, rewrite things to get around the limitations that have held back Mastodon um, and ActivityPub. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, which ones do I think really sort of meet the, the you know, the sort of criteria that I set out in the paper? I think Blue Sky remains the closest, which, again, not a surprise. It was somewhat inspired by that paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I still think Noster is really interesting as well um, mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a very different approach and even a much more decentralized approach. I think Blue Sky, um, you know, e- even as I had skepticism about the federated model, um, Blue Sky still is taking a somewhat federated model. It's a little bit different than the the Activity Pub style mm-hmm. version of that, um, but it's you know doing so in a way where the the federated aspect of it hopefully will fade into the background. We don't know for sure yet. Blue Sky is still very right. early, and they haven't actually done the federation part yet. You're on. You've been on all of these products since their the early days, Mastodon, Blue Sky, I see her on threads as well. Yes. Uh, Noster. Um, yes. So which, where do you spend most of your time? What's the, what's the product where you, you find you kind of naturally gravi- gravitating to most of the time? Right now it's Blue Sky. Um, you know, I still enjoy the others and I still check in on the others. Um, but, but Blue Sky just sort of, meshes with my brain uh, much more than the others. I, I enjoyed Mastodon, um, but, you know, I definitely felt some of the limitations of Mastodon around, um, you know, again, sort of some of the limits of the federated model, the lack of search, the lack of, of quote, posting, um, which are, are sort of widespread discussions and things that I think the developers yeah. of Mastodon and ActivityPub sort of recognized have really held back some of the, some of their potential and they're attempting to, to shift, um, in part because of that, but just overall, like just mentally in terms of usefulness, in terms of enjoyment, um, blue sky has sort of, you know, scratched the itch even more than, than Mastodon did though. I, I, I still like Mastodon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Noster again, interesting. Um, it, it's sort of, you know, it's sort of fascinating to watch. Um, but I think they're, they're running into some real challenges and they don't really have a very well thought out approach on how to deal with those challenges. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, the other thing that'll be interesting also is threads, assuming that they follow through on their promise to, um, you know, to, to, uh, interoperate with activity pub and Mastodon. Um, that'll be really interesting. I have no idea what that would actually look like in reality. Um, but that, that could be, that could be a really big deal. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. How, how, uh, likely do you think it is that they will in fact federate with activity pub? I think they will. Um, there, there are definitely a lot of people who are saying, no, it's never going to happen. The challenges are too big. The, um, you know, the regulatory issues, you know, mm-hmm. are, are a huge challenge for them. Um, and, but everyone I've spoken to at Meta seems really, really serious about it. They're not, yeah. they're not doing the things that you would do if, if you were sort of trying to shy away from that promise. And I've had a few discussions. I mean, there, there have been a lot of public statements. I've had a few discussions with people internally at Meta. Um, and they, they seem really serious about it. They're, yeah. they're not, they're not, you know, uh, they're not just saying this stuff. They're really looking at what is it going to entail, entail and they're, they're thinking carefully about it. 
Um, you know, there are some fears that people have that once that happens, it, it won't be good and that meta will effectively take over. Um, and you have like the, the, uh, embrace, extend, extinguish, right. you know, model that, that people talk about. I'm, I'm less scared of that because of the sort of nature of, of the way activity pub works and the federated system. You know, some people are, are definitely going to block threads if, if it does interoperate mm -hmm. and that's fine if they want to do that. Um, but it'll be really interesting. I mean, if they can provide a really good, powerful, easy to use front end, that would be interesting. Um, and, and could open up the, the Fediverse to a much wider audience than, than has it now. Again, that's, you know, if people stick around, obviously there are lots of reports of how threads, you know, the fastest, the, you know, fastest yeah. 100 million ever. And then now it's like only 10 million people are left using it. Um, but still that's, that's, that's 10 some, million people. That's 10 million people. Yeah. And, you know, Mastodon today probably has less than 10 million regular users currently. So, right. you know, it, it would, it would be a boost to that ecosystem at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to see the threads. Um, you 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 put this in the post that you wrote on TechDirt when threads launched, the actual screen in the onboarding that talks about yes. the Fediverse and Mastodon. And uh, they're definitely serious about it. You can see both from the technical work that's happening that they're doing behind the scenes, how they've been talking about it with particularly creators. Yes. Um, who, you know, obviously you need to have on, on any new product to get, you know, people to want to come there. Uh, and it does seem as though, uh, creators, not, not, not all creators, but, you know, there's certainly a subset of creators who now understand that owning your own audience, being able to actually have followers that no one can take away from you, no one right. can get between you and them, um, is an incredibly important thing, um, and so when you taught, you're both a creator and you're a user of these, these products. Um, do you feel like that is, that message is coming through? How much, how, how much of the sort of current adoption do you think is really geared toward, Hey, you know, creators really understand this. People really understand the power of this versus, Hey, I just want an alternative to Twitter. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's mostly the latter, right? I mean, I, I don't think. I don't think the average everyday user of, of social media or these kinds of apps cares that much. Um, right. And I don't think they should, honestly. Right. I mean, that's yeah. not, that's not the reason that they should be using this. Now, I think it's important for some of us to care about it and some of us to, to talk about it. Um, but, you know, I, I had this discussion um, a few months ago and, um, um, I don't know when this podcast is going out and it might not matter because I don't know when, um, when this article is coming out, <laughs> but, but, um, uh, Danny O'Brien, um, I don't know if you know Danny. I don't. Um, so he was at, I mean, he's been at a few different places, but he was at EFF for a while and he's now at the Filecoin foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, uh, is very, very thoughtful on this stuff. And he wrote this great article, which is part of this sort of like magazine on decentralization that I helped to edit. Um, which again, I don't know when is coming out, but soon. Oh, I can't wait. Um, and he has a really great article in it that, that, you know, I, I, I read and I helped edit and, and worked on. Uh, and I want the world to see it because it's, it's a really thoughtful discussion of this particular question. In terms of it, where it talks about sort of terminal values, what what are the values that actually matter, and whether or not decentralization itself is a terminal right. value, is that a value that matters? And I think a lot of people who who talk about decentralization and really focused on it think of it that way that the decentralization itself is what matters, um, and then they get upset when everybody else is just like, I don't care. I just want something that works. And so Danny makes the argument that I think I agree with. I think he convinced me of with his piece that no, decentralization is not the terminal value, but sort of 
I, I forget the way he phrased it, and it's been a few months since I actually read the the, the final version of that article. But effectively, like control over our own thoughts and ideas is the terminal value. And we lose that in centralized systems, that all of our thoughts and ideas are then controlled and, and, you know, by somebody else. And that creates a really weird set of incentives and, and some really problematic scenarios and situations. And therefore the decentralization gets you to this other place where you have more control over your own thoughts and your own writings and, and your ideas. And that's powerful, but again, it's like not something that most people are going to be thinking about. You know, right. people just want something that works. But right. I think in the long run, if they want something to work well, having it be on a decentralized system, it solves a bunch of the concerns and problems that they have. Everyone, you know, everyone right. who was on Twitter and liked it still complained about all different things that Twitter was doing and it didn't have certain features that they wanted and it wasn't handling this or that the way they wanted it to, that, you know, they want, people wanted it to. And that, that still is happening on rather on some of the decentralized platforms as well. But as they really decentralize, you get to have, you know, sort of a, a, a sorting function where people can make changes. If you don't like it, you don't have to wait for Twitter. And it's not just one provider who has to do it. You can find a provider who is, who is matches with your view of the world in terms of how these platforms should work, or you can build your own. Now, a lot of people aren't going to want to do that because that's too much. But the fact that you have all of these different providers that you can go to in theory, again, as we, as we get right. there, and that they can have different different tools and features and different setups and different rules, you know, allows people to sort of opt into the world that they want. And I think that that becomes really important with the recognition that at an underlying, you know, base level, it all has to work. Right. right? You know, the reason we all went to these centralized platforms was because they made it easy. Right. You could argue that. All of the, you know, somebody had this chart once somewhere um, that was was great. This sort of, you know, graphic illustration of like all of the original like internet protocols that people used to rely on to communicate, whether it was, you know, Usenet or IRC or whatever, yeah. and how they were replicated by these sort of big centralized companies into, you know, these these proprietary services. And but the reason that happened was because you know, the old systems were often complicated, you know, especially the pre-web systems. I mean, you, if you had to figure out how to configure stuff, like, right. you know, it may have been fun for you and me, but like right. the, the average person had no interest in doing that. And so the, the ease of use of the web front end, um, you know, drew a lot of people into these. And, and this is mm -hmm. kind of a, mm -hmm. an attempt to go back to that, to the world where, where we have all these different systems um, but we still get the ease of use. So, so, you know, we need that, that, you know, uh, usability, mm -hmm. um, and good UI yeah. and simple setup, um, that, that everybody has become accustomed to. But if we can combine that with the, you know, the, the you know, having the power pushed to the edges of the net, excuse me, yeah, <clears throat> having the power pushed to the edges of the network, um, and being able to, uh, you know, to to find the 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 right levels for yourself i think that that creates a much more powerful overall system yeah yeah you know i think you're making an excellent point there uh decentralization isn't a feature in and of itself and you know i think it's tough when you, you know if you build a product that's just a clone of a closed product and it's decentralized so you should care about this i think that's a really hard um you know, uh, thing to do. Users care about great content, great communities, great experiences, right? Decentralization is an enabler for more right. of those kinds of communities to happen and more ideas for more content and more, more ways to discover that content to happen than, than we currently have in these closed yeah. systems. 
It reminds me a lot of the days of AOL. Remember the original AOL screen that, you know, you go to and had all the little boxes, travel, you know, sports, right? And that, you know, what was centralized was the whole, all the innovation was locked in by AOL. So they could only innovate on travel as much as they had the team to do that, right? And what the web did when it web decentralized AOL is now you have, you know, people making, they built websites that did things that AOL never even imagined doing, you know, right. Airbnb would never have happened in the world of AOL. Right. Uh, and, and the, the idea of an open platform or open standards and open protocols leading to then um, distributed innovation is such a powerful thing. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a really important one. And and part of it is that like, nobody has any idea what, what it will enable. And and that's kind of the important thing. I mean, I, I, I think your point is, is dead on about like just recreating what we already had. That's not that compelling. Um, Right. But recreating it in a way that allows for, you know, just a whole bunch of experiments on what, will actually work and what will make sense for people. That's where the excitement comes in because, you know, as you said, you know, when the web came about, nobody predicted all of the different things that that were going to happen. Nobody said this is, you know, the web is going to be good for X, Y, and Z. It was because anyone could set up a web page and build what they wanted. And, and then you just get experimentation and people learn from each other and Uh see what other people are doing. And then they experiment Uh and they have an idea and a bunch of those ideas failed and a bunch of them were terrible and some of them were big for a little while and then disappear. And then, but other things fit and you have that experimentation to figure out what actually works. And, and that's how, how the innovation comes about. And when we had, you know, just a, a static system that came out of that, you know, that world where people are experimenting, but when you couldn't build, you know, you couldn't build on top of Twitter, um, you know, to some extent you could for a little while and there was some back and forth. For a, little while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> a whole other story, uh, which you're deeply familiar with, but, um, the, you know, that's where the, the interesting stuff comes from. So I see blue sky, especially, um, but it's, it's true of the other platforms as well as, as the sort of, you know, foundational models that allow for experimentation where we're going to see things that nobody expected that are really interesting, that are not just replicating Twitter, what, what Twitter's doing. And it'll be especially interesting in some ways to see that happen while you have like Elon Musk sort of trying to do right whatever it is that he's trying to do. He's got these visions of what he can build on top of Twitter, but it's his vision and his vision alone. Maybe he's right. I have some doubts and questions yeah. about that, but you know, the blue sky model is not based on the vision of Elon and it's not based on the vision of, of Jake Graber or Jack Dorsey or anyone who was involved in, in the creation of it. It is building it out as a, as a foundational platform that then anyone, if you have the sort of, if you think you have the Elon Musk style vision for what you could do with blue sky, you can effectively build that and then see if people come. Um, and not have to spend $44 billion in right. the process. Um, and that's where I think it's going to get really exciting is the idea that, you know, once people start to recognize that they can use this as a, as a foundational tool that they can then build other things on, and then we'll see, we'll see what works and what comes out yeah. of it. And, and that's exciting. It is very exciting. Yeah. The, the idea that social is a component of, any online experience, any content experience um, in a world where creators now need to be more social than ever. They need to establish relationships with their audience uh, and not have those relationships be, you know, um, interfered with, Uh, you know, building a followership on Twitter only to have that followership go to waste because, you know, Elon decided to change the for you algorithm, (laughs) right? Right. These are, these are the kinds of things that I think, you know, increasingly people who are creating content where we certainly have a democratization of content creation now. Um, but what we don't yet have is the democratization of that audience relationship with those content creators. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, there are challenges with all of that, right? I mean, I, 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 some of this all sounds great in, in, you know, in theory, and then the reality is always very difficult, but, you know, 
but, but there is a lot of excitement and I kind of want to see, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really want to see what people do with it. And, and we're already seeing again, like, you know, I'm spending a lot of time on blue sky these days. So I'm, I, a lot of my, my thoughts are framed in relationship to blue sky, but I think this does apply to, to activity pub and also to Noster. Mm-hmm. And possibly to some others out there, though I, I haven't seen enough mm-hmm. adoption of the other ones to, to be that interesting as of yet. But, you know, Blue Sky, like, so one of the features that Blue Sky has created that I think is really interesting is the, um, um, I forget, I'm suddenly forgetting exactly what it's called, but, but the, the, the ability to build your own algorithm, custom, custom feeds. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what it's, it is. It's awesome. It's, it's awesome. And, and like, you know, one of the feeds I follow is, is the, the tech feed from Flipboard. You know, it's like, All right. <laughs> it's, it's a really useful tool where, and, and it feels like so obvious that it's almost incredible that nobody else has done this, this idea right. that like you, yeah. rather than relying on the one feed, the one for you feed that the company gives you. Right. Or, or maybe having two options like the custom feed or chronological order, you know, allow anyone to build feeds and share them with other people. And then you can experiment and see which feed makes the most sense. And it's like, this is such a, such a a simple idea that it's, it's kind of incredible. Nobody else had done it before. Um, And, and is a really, really useful handy tool with, within blue sky and has made blue sky like just amazingly useful, you know, and this was, you know, again, sort of going back to the activity pub, you know, there were people who were trying to kind of do that with Mastodon and activity pub, and there, there are a few out there, but a bunch of them actually got sort of sh- shut down early on where people got really mm-hmm. mad about them. Mm-hmm. And so there was this sort of attitude towards that kind of, you know, useful innovation that um, some people really just didn't want within the, the Fediverse that I think was unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope that we're, we're getting a little bit past that. Yeah, I, I do too. I think that that... Um the ability to have a whole marketplace of algorithms, I think is how Jay, you know, phrased it. And and as she, you know, worked on that concept, I think that's an incredibly powerful model because communities form around content and content feeds, you know, feeds are like the new website. And when communities of people can form around a feed that's been carefully curated, either manually or algorithmically or some combination of both, it's extremely powerful. And now coming back to, you know, you were talking about the ownership of your ideas and your thinking and your conversations and your relationships with your audience members, you know, being able to have um, uh, a way to gather people around a feed independent of whatever that platform um, yeah. has decided should be the for you feed as there's just one feed that's, right. you know, everybody in one algorithm that is a black box. I think that is a, it is, it's an incredibly powerful idea. Um, and I do, I do think that activity pub, you know, can the same thing could happen on activity yeah. pub from a technical point of view. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I, yeah. I think it, it, it should. And, and yeah. I think that they'll get there eventually. I think they're they're sort of recognizing it and they've been, you know, I think they've been adapting. Um and some people are upset with that, but that's that's part of the the process. And yeah. again, like the nice thing about Mastodon Activity Pub is that if you don't like the way certain things are going, you can you can go right. your own way. And and right. that's that's part of the, you know, part of the advantage of these kinds of systems. Yeah. 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 I I, I do think that the community dynamics that um, have manifested on Blue Sky versus Mastodon, you know, these communities change. They're not static. You know, things will change and grow over time. But it is interesting to see that these um, these products are very much um, as strong or as weak as their community is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it is interesting um, and that, that, I think that's a challenge for, for everyone as well. I think that, you know, as a, you know, if you're developing one of these systems, you can become somewhat of a hostage to your community as well and, and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. 
their their desires may differ from from your desires or or the needs of of running an, an organization, whether it's a nonprofit um, or a for profit organization. Uh, and so there there are some really interesting challenges there, and I'm not sure that we've you know fully realized how that's how those things are going to play out over time. Um, yeah, but you know the the community's role in it is important. But again, you know I think that the the setup of especially you know both mastodon and blue sky is such that if you really if the community really diverges from the views of the developers that that's okay that's sort of part of the process and right you know if you have a better way of doing it go ahead and and test it out and see what happens and that's mm-hmm. That's kind of you know that's different than than Twitter you know yeah <laughs> where, where very didn't have that option so yeah it's it's so interesting because uh, decentralized social media means decentralized communities right so you yes. can there's nothing the whole design of the service or the the protocol is so that you could have a community wall itself off from the rest of the world and just yep. you know defederate with everybody and that's actually part of what we're designing into the whole system um that's a feature not a bug and 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 i think you know it's it's as you get to the point where um more people come into you know using services that are built on activity pub there's just going to be no one single community lots of different communities with people of different values and yeah you know different approaches and that's the point yeah yeah and, and uh, uh, that's that's kind of what's exciting about it and you know we've already seen some of that already um you know some for good some for bad um you know there've been reports on you know there are sort of walled off yeah. uh, activity pub communities that are problematic in right. certain ways um mm-hmm. but they're walled off from the rest of mm-hmm. the from the rest of the fediverse and that mm-hmm. i think is is a good sign and shows that you know the the fediverse itself kind of deals with with these kinds of things in its own way um and we don't have to be reliant on you know one central entity deciding well this community is okay and this community is not okay um it's, you know, it, it becomes a much more democratic process. Um, and, and, you know, again, sort of gives, gives a lot mm-hmm. more power to, to individuals and groups to figure out how, what they're comfortable with and what makes sense to them. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's a, a pretty, you know, it's a, it's a different way of doing things than we've seen over the last, you know, last couple of decades. So what do you see on the horizon? Are there things that you've been starting to, you know, as you've been talking to folks, uh, you know, you're talking to Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and others, you know, about where this is all going. Um, have you started to see glimmers of new ideas, big new things that are possible because of this decentralized approach? It, it's still really, really early. Um, and so people are talking about things and like, to me, at least there, the, the, the crystal ball for whatever it's worth is pretty foggy. Um, you know, there's a lot of experimentation going on. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, when, you know, when, when Reddit recently had all these issues and problems where, you know, changes in the rules around their API and um, Mm -hmm. a bunch of other sort of, you know, central control issues on, uh, and Reddit was always an interesting platform because it had this sort of like hybrid centralized, decentralized model. There's a decentralized world within a centralized system. Um, And almost immediately, you know, there was like a big jump up in, um, you know, some people had already built some sort of like Reddit like clones on Activity Pub with Lemmy and Kbin, and those were really interesting to see. You know, almost overnight, somebody built a Reddit clone in Noster, um, and there was discussions about doing it on uh, on AT protocol, which is what Blue Sky is based on. Um, though I'm not quite sure where mm-hmm. that went or whatever. But to me, the the interesting thing there was not so much you know. Okay, we've built Reddit clones, but the way sort of 
you, you had that opportunity. Like there's a problem on the centralized internet right. world and we can deal with that and we can build something very, very quickly on these systems, which were, you know, originally built to be sort of, you know, Twitter like for, for, for lack of a better descri description. Um, but the protocol itself is so, you know, adaptable that we can build something else on top of it and build up all these better services. And so I think, you know, to go back to a point that you made much earlier that I think is really important, you know, I think that sort of the big kind of revolutions in technology are always, you know, everything when, when you, when you have this sort of shift from, from one, I don't even know, one yeah, okay. setup to another, mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. thing that everybody does is recreate the, the other thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the sort of classic example of this is, you know, when, uh, you know, people went from, from, um, uh, radio shows to, to television, they were basically like the same sort of stilted, you know, conversational thing that was on radio. And then eventually like, people began to realize like, oh, wait, you know, the visual medium of television allows us right. to do different things than what we were doing on radio right. before. And so the big breakthrough and sort of like the enlightenment moment is always when people realize the thing that they can do on the new system that they couldn't do before. Yeah. But to get there, I, it feels like you have to rebuild the stuff that, that you did before. It's just, that's the way it is. Like, okay, mm -hmm. let's take what we mm -hmm. know recreated in this world. And then someone is going to come along and say, Oh, now that we're decentralized or whatever, right. we can do this thing that wasn't possible in the centralized world. Yeah. And, and suddenly that'll be like, everybody be like, Oh wait, that was obvious. We all should have done that. And, and then, then people sort of flood in and the new system sort of takes on a life of its own. And so, but we're not at that point yet. We haven't seen that thing and and it's it's great to speculate and think like oh what could that be but at least in my experience like there's almost no one sees what that is before it actually happens and oftentimes it almost happens by accident or just by mm -hmm. you know a, a sort of weird incremental process and nobody foresees it being the thing that that catches on and and, and goes crazy and so so i don't know i i don't I wish I did. Like it would be fun <laughs> you know, if I had that that very clear picture of what is the thing that that a decentralized social media or a decentralized social protocol is going to enable that just isn't possible today. Mm -hmm. You know, but I, I'm not I'm not quite sure what that's going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. We're we're not at that point yet, um, but it does feel like we're going to get to that point. Yes. There are a lot of developers working on both AT and ActivityPub and on yeah. Noster. And it, you know, with threads happening, um, with it being the fastest growing app ever, <laughs> right. uh, you know, you've got all this innovation happening on AI. AI needs data to AI yep. and this Fediverse world feel like um it could be an incredible uh, kind of combination and sort of um, primordial soup of, of yeah. big new ideas. Right. Um, so yeah, it does feel like this is an amazing time right now. It reminds me of the early days of the web when people weren't sure what the yep. web was really going to be and whether it was really going to be a big deal or not. And how are you going to monetize and how's this whole thing going to work? And uh, yeah. what about privacy? What about security? All these kinds of questions we had then, right? And, yep. You know, it, it's very and, much like that time. I, I think so. And I think, I think the, the other element that's in there that reminds me of that time that I think is important is the fact that it, it becomes this kind of enabling thing where almost anyone can go and do something with it. Right. I think, you know, some of the other areas where people have talked about, like, we're, we're, re or, or had that same sort of feeling where, um, you know, it still felt like there were still gatekeepers involved and there were still people blocking you. And, and so, you know, like mobile apps, you know, obviously another area that you're very familiar with and like was like, was its own kind of revolution, yeah. but I don't think quite as big as the web itself as, as a mm -hmm. revolution. Um, and in part because you did still have kind of gatekeepers there. You know, there were some ways around them and it depended on things. But generally speaking, you still had to, you know, get past Apple and Google if you were 
um, you know, if you wanted to take part in that world and, you know, and that, that creates some, some limitations. And so I yeah. think, you know, the, the thing that's exciting me right now is that we're reaching this stage where, I mean, the AI space will be really interesting to see how it overlaps with this, because obviously mm -hmm. there's a lot going on there. Um, and some of that is enabling, you know, people to do amazing things, but a lot of that is also still reliant on, you know, companies who have purchased massive amounts of compute right. power, right. you know, that's not available to everybody. Um, but you know, it is, it is becoming more widely available. So that'll be interesting, but, but, you know, on the, the social media side and the decentralized side, the fact that, you know, we're really reaching that point where almost anyone can build something without having to go through any kind of gatekeeper. Um, I think that's, that's where hopefully, and you know, if, if history is any indicator, that's where the really interesting things are going to happen. And, and maybe they'll, they'll pull, I'm sure, you know, they'll pull in things from the AI world and, and elsewhere and other innovations that are happening today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's yeah. that's an ingredient in that primordial soup that I think is is really mm -hmm. important as well. Yeah, yeah the 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 whole um, adoption curve for these new services is also significantly easier. Uh, you know, because you yeah. don't, you know you can have a service where you bring your followers to that service. You don't have to create a yes. whole new followership, right? So so as developers come up with totally new ideas. You know, they're, they're looking at the blue sky fire hose and mixing and matching it and presenting it in all these really new, cool ways. Hey, it just works. I can still yeah. like, you know, see this content. I can comment on it. People can follow me, you know? So the, it is, I do think that, um, that primordial soup is quite, uh, primed for some yeah. big new ideas. And, and I think also like, you know, one of the interesting things too, which, I think everybody forgets for the most part, and I, I forget, I have to sort of remind myself at times was like, you know, this aspect of social um, is relatively new, right? I mean, there have been, there were like proto social networks going back to the nineties um, mm -hmm. that you and I probably both played around with. And mm -hmm. then, you know, as things came along, even like Facebook wasn't quite sure what social was. Twitter wasn't quite sure what social, like it became this thing almost by accident. And, you know, relatively recently, you know, it's a, a little more than a decade. Maybe you could argue 15 years that yeah. we've lived in this world where, where social is just sort of like how you communicate with things, how you communicate with other people and groups and stuff. But we haven't really even had time to process like, what social means in a variety of different contexts. And that's part of what this can enable with the idea that you can just enable any other service to include social stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, people have tried to do that. And we have a lot of things where you have like mobile apps where you like upload your contact book, which right. has some privacy concerns right. and, and other issues with it. And, and you're still dealing with some gatekeepers and some other issues. And maybe that doesn't make sense. But I think there could be something really interesting in, you know, in your social graph being portable and, you know, mm -hmm. adaptable to different services that you're using, where you could begin to see some really interesting things develop out of that. But, you know, we're, we're, we're still wrapping our heads around what, what does it mean to have like a social graph for anything? You know, right. it, it took us, it, you know, it took Mark Zuckerberg a long time to realize that like, the importance of the social graph was allowing people, you know, friends to communicate with each other. Right. I right. mean, like the news feed was, was not there originally. And when it came about, people were mad at Facebook for, for remember. the news feed. Whereas like, then like the news feed became everything. Um, and even like, you know, Twitter's original, you know, uh, yeah. vision of, of what, it, you know, you know, like Twitter, you know, some people talked about it. It was like, it was the, the creating the, uh, uh, turning turning AOL instant messengers away message into a service, right? Right. I mean, which it was it was just sort of this like status update as it, opposed to a communication, right? It wasn't about the conversation. It was about here's what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And so like even the conversational aspect of it was like an accidental discovery that that came about later. Yeah. And so we're still like we're in such an early stage of all of this 
that like, but you know, it, it's just the the natural thing that everybody looks at today and assumes that that's that's the end of history, right? That's that's where this right. thing's, that's this is the final form. Um, You're so right. You're so right. It's, <laughs> it's it's so primitive now when you really think yeah. about it, right? Like I can email you. I can text message you, but then there's like a zillion different ways to do that. And you have to be on these different platforms, you know, and then there's the social media model where I can follow you. But like all of these things are so primitive. Uh, You know, you think about the web and how, how rich the web is and how much it's evolved. You know, you can have code integrated into documents that are linking to each other and letting you book airline tickets and, you know, Airbnbs and, but like, Connecting people is still incredibly primitive, and the level yeah. of innovation that's happened is so nominal. It's like, yeah. you know, it's it's nothing. I mean, like again, like people don't remember this, and I'm like throughout this entire conversation, I, I feel like the, the old guy saying, I "Remember, back. yeah." <laughs> but, but like, you know, there there was this. I don't know if you do you remember my blog log? Do you remember the, uh, what that was? I, no, I don't actually. So it was this company which got like in the in the blog space, got a ton of attention. And it was this sort of uh, you know, early version of being able to say that you were like following a blog. So, you know, you didn't have accounts on different blogs. You would create an account with my my blog log, which is what it was called, uh, which is a terrible name. And and then you could see like other people who followed the same blogs and you could, and then right. like it had some other, I mean, it had some analytics features, which was how they yeah. convinced different blogs to sign up and implement it. And then users could sign up for that. And then they could also see what other sites they would like, and you could follow people. So it was like the very early days. And this was sort of mid two thousands and they got bought by someone. I can't remember. I want to say it was like Yahoo because Yahoo bought everyone in that time, time period. But yeah. it, it was like, you know, you could see how like a my blog log type setup and blogs was sort of yeah. like an early Facebook kind of yeah. thing yeah. where it, it added this element of like blogs were like publishing and content. And then you have this my blog log, which allowed the sort of following feature, which didn't exist. Right. Uh, and, and feeds. I think there was even like you could log in and you sort of had like a kind of RSS type feed in there as well. Yeah. Um, but again, like, that was, you know, it was maybe 16 years ago. It was not certainly yeah. not two decades ago. We were still just figuring this out. And then sort of Facebook came in and, and sort of, you know, took over that space. But, you know, it's, it's really early. There's a lot more that can be done and a lot more yeah. creativity. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and, and in some ways, you know, I think some of those creative things were, were stifled by the fact that like everything then had to go through Facebook or Twitter or, or, right. or whoever. And now we're at this point where like we can get back to that, that stage where let's just let different people, you know, iterate and come up with different ideas and experiment. And some of them will be cool and some of them won't be. And, and I think we're just going to see a real revolution in new ideas coming out of it. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to discover a piece of content about Section 230. It's another thing entirely to have that piece of content be something that I discovered because you recommended it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and that's such a big deal. I I there's a chance I probably would never have seen that story. You recommended that story as a as an interesting story that you think is like a, is something worth reading. There's a ton of stuff about Section 230 that is nothing, you know, is not worth reading at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah. but that that combination of your endorsement of a piece of content enables discovery. It enables people to sort through all the noise. It's such a critical component of the web itself, right? And yeah. and and there's especially now with with as there's more and more content that will be just written by AI engines. Yeah. It's just not going to be very interesting or deep or useful. You need yeah. you need people that you trust who know what they're talking about to to help people discover what the good content is and who the good creators are. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's it's kind of exciting where, where we're sort of we're at this point where you know you know we have all these different pieces that that I think lead to something better in terms of you know this mix of of people content. And algorithms as well, where Mm -hmm. like, you know, a lot of people sort of focus on like one element of that. 
And the reality is that you need this sort of like mix uh, and you need these things right. working together. And, you know, I, I keep talking about in the AI space, I keep having these discussions with people where, where like people are afraid of like AI destroying jobs or like doing this or whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's not that good. Right. And, and, but also like it is, it is impressive in its own way and what it can do. But there have been a few studies now that have come out that, um, I think each, like every, every few weeks, there's like another study on this kind of thing that basically says like AI by itself, cool, impressive, whatever, but like AI plus human is, you know, kind of magical. Right. Like it right. creates something much, much better. Bionic humans. Yeah. To, to some yeah. extent though, that <laughs> raises a bunch of other issues too, but like, you know, you, you begin to think like if we're building a web that recognize or an internet or whatever, whatever this is, you know, that recognizes that these things work together, that it's not just people by themselves. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not just the content by itself. It's not mm -hmm. just the AI. It's all of these things kind of working together. And, and if they can enable and help each other and build on each other, then you start to open up all of these different possibilities that that weren't really there before, and so I th I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, and that that's very well said. Well, um, before we go, I want to just get a sense from you on um, the 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 people that you rely on most for uh, that you follow on social media on Blue Sky or Mastodon. Who are some of the folks you recommend? Um, that people should uh, should follow. Whew, um, that's a good question. Um, there's lots of people in, in a lot of different disciplines, so it's like you know a, a lot of. Um, I think a lot of where you know when I'm sort of coming to different conclusions or realizing things, it's often because I'm following people and. It, who come from things from a variety of different disciplines and a variety mm -hmm. of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then it's sort of like making connections between mm -hmm. the different views. So, you know, I follow a lot of people on the legal side and the policy side that are mm -hmm. covering all different legal and policy issues. Um, and so it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a long list. There's a long list. <laughs> have you made a list? Like, have you made a, a list of these that you could share with, with folks? I don't know that I have uh -huh. really. Um, uh -huh. I, I should at some point, mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but there's, there are, you know, some, some really good folks on that. Um, and then the, the, um, computer security side of things, I spend a lot mm -hmm. of time talking to people and, and following people who are focused on, on computer security issues, which then touches on encryption and limits to certain technologies that I think are really important. Um, I spend a lot of time following and talking to people who do stuff in the trust and safety space, which, you know, we didn't get into this kind of like trust and safety questions okay. related to decentralized systems, which is yeah. a huge and really, huge. really important question. Yeah. Um, and that touches on legal and touches on technology and sort of like the, the sort of and monetization and all of these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. um, so, so those people are really important. Uh, you know, uh, there are a bunch of academic researchers that I'm, I'm paying attention to because, you know, they're testing stuff or, or getting access to really interesting data. Um, obviously journalists and media who are covering mm -hmm. all of these things who, mm -hmm. you know, find out stories before anyone else does, mm -hmm. um, you know, all of these people. And then just, you know, everybody else. Like, I, I, I don't, I, I feel like, you know, I, I wish I had like, here's the magic recipe. Yeah. Uh, you know, here are the, the 20 people to follow and, and yeah. you'll see everything. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure I really have that right now. Yeah. Well, you're obviously social media is a major component of how you're yeah. staying connected to what's going on. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is a whole other, you know, thing in and of itself, right? The ability to, you've spent time curating a list of people that would be really interesting to follow about, you know, different kinds of things. It'd be awesome to be able to have other people benefit from the yeah. curation that you've done there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's really interesting. Well, Mike, um, it has been just fantastic having you on this podcast and great to talk to you. Uh, and, and I know I speak for a lot of people, a lot of founders, product builders, um, 
in the in this industry that you are without question one of the most pragmatic and thoughtful um, people who've really helped all of us navigate these huge changes that have been happening over the last twenty years or so as the internet has has um, been growing and changing and evolving. So thank you again, Mike, and uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing. Uh, how all this plays out. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's, those are, are, are very kind words. And, and again, I mean, a lot of that is built on, on being able to talk to lots of really, really smart people and, and put some things together. And so I certainly, you know, uh, appreciate all the, all the hard work of, of lots of other people and do not mean to take credit for, <laughs> for, for anyone else in, in doing that. But, uh, I always enjoy talking about this. So I, I was very happy yeah. to, to come here and, and, and talk on the podcast with you about it. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks. Someone will get to grab a shovel and think of the cat. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get.